a good ministry start. As we will see, King Saul is now going to be, well, Saul is going to be anointed as king. Israel has asked for a king. They're coming out of the time of the judges. Samuel is kind of judging and, and providing spiritual leadership into the nation. But the nation is now asking for a king. They get a little bit ahead of God's timing. God said, no, you don't need a king right now. I'm your, I'm your judge. I'm your king. Uh, but no, no, we want to be like all the other nations. God warns them, but he does grant their request. He has selected Saul to be their king. The Lord has spoken to Samuel. Samuel has identified Saul as the man God has chosen. Samuel and Saul have already met. God, uh, Samuel has revealed this to Saul. Samuel has spoken to Saul and told him uh, that God has chosen you. God, Israel is looking for a king. God has selected you. And now in chapter 10, we find uh, Samuel officially kind of anointing Saul as king. And we'll see in the end of the chapter, declaring him as king before the people. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll take a look at our text tonight. Father, we thank you for this time of worship, for this time of study. Father, we we ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight as we open the word, and that you would minister your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, take a look with me here, and let's begin in verse 1. First thing we notice is that God calls and anoints Saul for ministry. And what we'll see here as we work our way through, we'll, I think we'll see certain principles that really are true for all of God's calling and equipping people, individuals for ministry. Now, let me remind you, all of us have been called to ministry. All the, it says in Ephesians that all the saints are to be equipped for ministry. So God has something of ministry, something of service, something of living for his kingdom for all of us. And so these principles, although in this case, anointing a man for king, we might think, well, you know, that's not something we can relate to, but we can all relate to God calling us and equipping us for tasks of ministry. So um, take a look with me now. The first thing we do, we notice is that it is, it's God is the one that does the calling and anointing. It's not done by man. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, it is, uh, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? So this pouring of oil upon Saul's head, this was a, a symbolic act of the Holy Spirit coming upon Saul to anoint him or to prepare him, equip him, for ministry. The priests in the Old Testament, they would pour oil upon them, a symbol of God's coming upon a man, coming upon an individual for equipping and enabling for ministry. You see, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit, not ministry-wise. We can do a lot of other things, but if you really want to do something in the kingdom, something fruitful in the Lord, you need His grace upon you. You need His Spirit. You need His enabling. And so this is merely a symbolic act of God putting his spirit upon Saul. Um, Jesus would tell his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus telling the New Testament apostles and disciples, don't try to go out and do the work of ministry and be a witness and evangelize the world without the anointing, 
the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. And so in the same way, Samuel is pouring this oil upon Saul and he's being anointed for ministry. So we too, we also need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. It says that Samuel kissed him. I'm glad that's not something we we continue to do and we call men to ministry. We don't have to kiss them. Um, in the New Testament, we do see laying on of hands. I like that better than the kissing. I don't want to call too many men to ministry like that. So we would rather lay hands. But the idea is Samuel is putting his approval on Saul. God has chosen you. My heart is with you. And Samuel really... Uh, endorses uh, Saul for ministry. Now, he only needs the Lord's approval. He doesn't need Samuel's approval, but this is the way the Lord works. The Lord uses spiritual leadership to confirm calling and ministry. And it's, it's the same in the New Testament as well. We see, we see Paul. Remember, he's reminding Timothy. Timothy, uh, don't forget the ministry that was entrusted to you through a word of prophecy and the laying on of our hands when we prayed for you and commissioned you into ministry. And, you know, men do not call themselves. God calls, but then that calling is confirmed through spiritual leadership, through the body of Christ, through the church. It's not enough just to say, well, God spoke to me. I'm called. Well, if that's true, then that will be evident with those you fellowship with, with with those that are already in spiritual leadership, identifying that and and recognizing God's hand upon you. And then they, by putting their hands upon you, they say, we confer this is the Holy Spirit working, calling you, and we pray and commission you to ministry. This is what's going on in Saul's life. And Samuel is that agent of leadership to kind of commission Saul. But he says... Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? So Samuel says, look, I'm anointing you. I'm putting my approval on you. But it's because the Lord has called you. Samuel could not call Saul. Samuel could not commission a man to ministry. Oh, he can confirm what God is doing. But ultimately, he says, "Is it? it's because the Lord has anointed you and as the commander over his inheritance. Important to remember that any ministry that the Lord entrusts us to is to serve his inheritance, his purposes, his people. In the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul encouraging the spiritual elders and leaders in the church of Ephesus. And he says this in Acts 20 and verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of who? God, which he purchased with his own blood. In the same way that Samuel is saying to Saul, Saul, God has called you to lead his people, his inheritance. This is his task that is being entrusted to you. In the same way in the New Testament, those that are to serve in ministry are to be careful, not only taking heed to themselves, but to also take heed to the precious flock of God. Why are they precious? Because God has purchased them with his own blood. They belong to him. They are of great value. God's people, the sheep, the church of God, and those that would serve in any capacity in ministry 
whether it be teaching, whether it be leading worship, whether it be serving children, whether it be cleaning and helping and preparing coffee, whatever the work we do together, we're taking care of God's precious people. And it needs to be done with that kind of spirit, that kind of integrity, that kind of heart. But not just this anointing and calling. Let's press on here in chapter 10. And we see that God is also going to provide confirming signs. That's the second thing we notice. God calls and anoints. God also confirms calling through signs. He's going to give Samuel, uh, excuse me, he's going to give Saul three signs, three evidences that you'll know, Saul, that God is the one calling you at this time. This is a lot going on for Saul, right? He was just out looking for lost donkeys. And now he's being anointed for king of Israel. And so God is going to prop that up in his heart. God is going to confirm. He's going to really uh, settle and stabilize this calling that he has upon him. Look with me. The first sign, we we see it picked up here in verse 2. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? So Samuel, by inspiration of the Lord, gives very specific detail about Saul. When you leave here, you're going to bump into these two guys, and this is what they're going to say to you. This is, this is where you're going to meet them, and they're going to say, hey, your dad's not looking for the donkeys anymore. He's worried about you. Now, all of this is happening before Saul starts on his way back home. So Samuel gives him that first sign. Sign number two, verse three. Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. And there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. Wow, a lot of very specific detail. And again, God is able. God is able to confirm his word. Uh, that, you know, it, it's, he doesn't, it doesn't have to be this general, broad kind of a thing. God wants to put this in Saul's heart very strongly and gives him very specific signs. Sign number three, verse five. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. They will be praising and worshiping God. They will be speaking oracles of God. Verse 6, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. Here's the third sign. You're going to see these guys, these these. These these men that have the gift of prophecy coming down from the mountain, they're going to have their instruments. They will be worshiping and praising. And when they meet you, you're going to start prophesying. You're going to begin to speak uh, these words of God. And it's a very specific uh, instruction that Samuel gives. And now, of course, not everything 
that we think is a sign is necessarily a sign. But God is being very clear here now. And this is what I have found, that when God is really beginning a new work in your life, he is able to be very clear uh, to help support that initial start of a work. And here's why I think that's true. First of all, he wants to confirm. He wants you to have it in your heart that you are starting off really in something that the Lord is calling and purposing you to do. But not just so you'll get started well, but later on, because guess what? As you go on in ministry, as you go on in the things that God has called you to do, the journey gets oftentimes more difficult. And boy, you know, it's exciting to start something, right? Oh, God's calling me. I'm going to be a missionary here. I'm going to go into... But then, you know, into the process, it's like... Did I really hear from God? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I'm really supposed to be? Is this? And those doubts. God provides a good foundation in the beginning because that will become a resource for you down the road as you're serving him. Those signs, these signs do not follow you every day. I'm not getting confirmations of my ministry every day, miraculous signs. God did give me signs at the beginning, and I have to often look back and and be reminded, Lord, I know that you called me. I don't understand what's going on. It doesn't seem like I, you know, this is really even what I should be doing at this moment. I'm confused. I'm discouraged. But I know that I know that I know that you called me because I have those confirmations that you gave me at the beginning that now have set my course. And that gives you the grace to persevere. This is what's going on in Saul's life. God is giving him miraculous signs, clear, evident confirmation, because this is what is to become the foundation as he would then go and serve in his ministry. You know, when I um, first was praying about stepping out and planting a church, now this our church has been we about almost 10 years, be 10 years in September since we first came up and had our first service here in Monrovia. But it was several years before that that I was praying and feeling like the Lord was calling me and drawing me towards this ministry. And I'd been praying with my pastor and we were in agreement that this is something that God was moving us towards. He wanted to send us out. He wanted us to, uh, to, to plant a work. It was before we knew where we were going. It was, I was still very entrenched in a family business, working, had been working there my whole life. By this time, it had been maybe 30 years I'd been working there. Started as a kid, worked there all through school, and 25 years after school. And so this was like a huge, crazy decision that I'm going to like leave that and go plant a church somewhere, and I didn't even know where at the time. But uh, I knew that the Lord was drawing me, and, and, and it had come to that t- place where even my pastor and I, we knew it's actually time to start looking and asking God to direct. And I had spoken to my dad about this, and by God's grace, he supported He said, you know what, you've got to do what you believe uh, you have in your heart. My dad's not a, a spiritual man, he's not saved, but... He, is, he was encouraging me to follow what I, he, you know, I felt was in my heart. So I had that kind of peace and sense of confirmation. 
Anyway, I'm sitting in my office one day, and all of this is kind of going on. I'm wrestling through some of these things. And one of the ladies that I had worked with for many years came into my office. She worked at a different location, but she had business at the corporate office, which is where I worked at the time. And she walks into my office and she said, Richard, now she had been there even longer than me. Her and I had been, other than my dad who started the company, her and I had been the longest uh, employees there. We'd worked, we'd known each other for, you know, 30 plus years. She said, Richard, I got to talk to you. I don't know what's going on, but I had the weirdest dream last night. And I said, what? She said, I dreamed that I was here at the corporate office and I was sitting in the conference room with all of the managers and staff and you walked into the meeting, into the, into the, into the office. And for some reason, we all looked at you and we said, Richard, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here anymore. You're supposed to be in ministry now. She said, do you know what that's about? Why I would be possibly dreaming this? I said, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> uh, I said, um, Debbie, you have no idea how um, prophetic that dream is. And I told her that, you know, this is actually something that God has been stirring in my heart. I've already talked to my dad about it. I believe this is God. God's leading me in this direction. So it was for me that kind of confirming sign. Uh, It's not what called me. God had already burdened my heart. God had already spoke to me. But then God confirms through other signs, dreams, visions, instances like what Saul is going through. And if you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. God has a way of making clear the path, the direction that he is prompting you to go in service to him. And this is clearly what's going on in Saul's life. And he gets there with those prophets, and he now prophesies. Very interesting. Uh, Samuel says, you're going to get there, and you're going to become another man. God is going to use you in a unique way. And this is going to be a confirming sign for Saul as well. Remember, he's just a young man helping his dad out looking for donkeys. He's never prophesied. He's never been a part of any kind of a a spiritual event like this. God is going to use him in a unique way, again, to confirm in him that it's not you, Saul. It's me. And that's I think God will do that in our lives, too. God will use us in unique ways. God will give you a, a unique experience where you realize, wow, God is working in my life, even in a way that he might use you in a way that you're not used to. But this way, you know, it's not you, but it's him. Do as the occasion demands for God is with you. Saul, just go with it. You know, you're going to start prophesying. And in your, head, in your head, you're going to say, what am I doing? I'm not a prophet. I can't prophesy with you. Do as the occasion demands. Just allow the Lord to take you to a new place. Do as the occasion demands. God is with you. Don't be afraid. Allow God to expand and move you into this new area. And, you know, I think that's, that's a good word. Do as the occasion demands. You know, most of the time when you step out into kind of a new thing that you think the Lord is leading you to, oftentimes you don't really know what to expect. And you don't really feel confident about what you're doing. 
I feel that way almost every time I get into the pulpit. I'm like, okay, here we go again, Lord. And I'm not trying to be silly. There is a certain like, okay, Lord, please be with me. Please anoint the study. Please speak to the people. There is that sense of I need the Lord. And, and it's okay. I just have to do as the occasion demands for God is with me. And you have to walk through those doors that the Lord opens for you and you put yourself out there. You go for it. The third thing, and we'll, let's move on in our text. The third thing that we'll notice here is that God is going to change Saul's heart. He's going to touch his heart. He's going to put something new in his heart. Verse 8. You shall go down before me to Gilgal. This is Samuel now still giving Saul all of this instruction. Here are the signs that are going to happen. He hasn't left yet, but he's getting all the information. Verse 8. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. And so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. Verse 10. When they came there to the hill... There was a group of prophets to meet him, just like this is the third sign that Samuel said. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets. And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. So it came to pass. Everything that Samuel said, each and every sign came to pass. And when he prophesied, it was so noticeable that it became kind of just this uh, folklore, right? Is Saul also one of the prophets? They witnessed him prophesying in this unique moment that God was calling him. But special attention now to verse 9. And so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. When he turned his back to go from when he was leaving Samuel, it was in that instant that the Lord did something in Saul's heart. This is not something that Samuel could impart to him. In fact, no one can impart this kind of gift into another man's heart. It has to be the Lord. But it happened in the going. Samuel gave him all the information, gave him all of this wonderful, you know, prophetic word, but it didn't really, you know, it was just kind of words until Saul started and then the Spirit of God began to work, first of all within, and then eventually through all of the outward signs that had been uh, prophesied. This new heart, he gave him another heart. I believe that when God is looking to work through an individual's life in any capacity of ministry, that God is going to do a work in the heart. God is going to give you something of his heart. Remember, God had said to, to Saul, God's calling you to command his inheritance. And now God is doing the work within Saul. Remember, he's just this young man looking for donkeys. But now God touches his heart 
he now gives Saul something of God's burden for his people. Saul is now going to care about these people. Saul is now going to want to defend this nation. Saul is is now going to have a new passion for what God has called him to do. You know, there's a testimony. uh, uh, There's a a woman that serves as a missionary uh, down in Tijuana, Calvary Chapel, Tijuana. She's from Calvary Chapel, La Mirada, and I, I love her testimony. She's been down there serving for many, many years. And, you know, there was a mission trip going to Mexico, and she thought, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. I don't want to go because I'm afraid the Lord will call me there, and I don't want to go. She went. This is 20 years ago. (laughs) She's still there. She was right. God called her. She went there. She kind of knew that if, if I go, I'm afraid God will touch my heart. And I want to serve there. And that's exactly what happened. She saw the kids. She saw the children. And her heart was moved. And she went to serve with uh, Chris Martinez down in Calvary Chapel, Tijuana. And so God imparts something of his burden into your heart. You, you don't have to worry. Well, you know, I don't even know if I want to, to do something like that. I don't, I don't feel interested. In, listen, if God is tugging on your heart... Take that first step. It's as he went that the Lord empowered his heart. And God will give you a heart to do the things that he is calling you to do. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God can impact the will if you will cooperate. If you are open, if you are willing to be used, if you open your heart, okay, Lord, use my heart, use my life, he will put that in your heart and give you that desire to serve him. He can put it in your heart for missions. He can put it in your heart to serve in ministry. He can just put it in your heart to uh, evangelize in the community. However God would lead you, you say, I don't know how I can. I don't know, you know, I don't even feel like I'm called to that. And it may not be that you're called, and you'll know that too in time. But if it is the Lord, he will put something in your heart, a love for his people, a desire to see spiritual life in others, a desire to be useful in the kingdom. And this is something that has to be maintained and really nurtured through your relationship with him. God can begin something in your heart, but you know what? It can grow cold if you don't nurture it. So just because God touches your heart, gives you passion for something that he, he has for you, and, and you start well, you have to continue to pray and seek the Lord. Many have started in ministry with guns blazing, but then they lose their, they lose their love. They lose their fire. And it's because they didn't nurture that heart that God had put. Remember what um, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, verse 4. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You know, sometimes we need, to, we need to come back to that first love. Can you think of a time when the Lord put something in your heart and there was a passion, there was a zeal, it was something that you just couldn't help but, but see yourself doing in the Lord? 
Has that, have you lost that? Has that grown cold? Have you been distracted? Did things not work out? And now you're, you, you've moved on to other passions. It may be that you need to kindle again. You need to come back and allow God to refresh your heart. And finish with me here, verse 14, this, this section. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? And so he said, to look for the donkeys, when we saw that, there, that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what, did Sam, what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. So Saul is now coming back home. All of this has happened. He's prophesied. I mean, he, he knows now God is calling me to be the king. And his uncle runs out. Where have you been? Well, I went and looked for the donkeys. When I couldn't find them, I spoke with Saul well, or with Samuel. Well, what did he tell you? What did he tell you? Um, he just told me that the donkeys had come home. That's all. Nothing else. <laughs> There's some wisdom here in, in young Saul. You know, it's, it's good to not get ahead of the Lord. It's good to let the Lord announce, you know, he didn't come home and say, guess what? I'm going to be the king of Israel. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's, you know, let's celebrate. He didn't come home like that. He didn't, he didn't disclose any of that. And there's something, I think it's a good thing. I think there's a certain humility here. He's not self-promoting. I think there's a certain wisdom. He's going to let the Lord establish this in his timing. Verse 17. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzvah and said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought uh, up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Again, Samuel says this is not God's plan A, but God is accommodating you. Now, therefore, Present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. So God is now, via Samuel the prophet, whittling through and, and narrowing down. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is hidden among the equipment. And so they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. That's what they've been wanting to say, long live the king. But we don't get to say, long live the king. Now they got to. Um, as I said, I feel like Saul's not disclosing everything to his uncle was wise in that he was not getting ahead of the Lord. But I would also say it's important not to get behind the Lord because now God is ready to establish and anoint, you know, before the people, Saul as the king, and he is now hiding in the equipment. 
Go get him. God, you can't hide from God. God will, God finds him. And, you know, it's good, again, that maybe he's humble, but also it seems that he also may be a little bit of afraid, afraid here. He, God has called him. God has confirmed it with signs. God has touched his heart. And so there comes a time when you have to just allow the Lord to use you. You have to make yourself available to the Lord. And I think that, uh, that Saul, of course, they find him and they bring him out. But there's a little reluctance here. And I, and I, would, I would say that's not a positive trait. He, he, he was, God was ready to, to, to confirm him, and he needed to be there ready. But, of course, the Lord does bring him up and long live the king. And uh, as far as the outward image of a king, Saul was the man. Tall, good-looking, he looked the part. Now, we will discover as the story goes in our future weeks, of course, that Saul had all the outward trappings, but he lacked something on the inward. But we see here he has a good start. God has anointed him. God has given him a burden in his heart to do the the tasks that he's called him to. He's confirmed it with signs. He gives Saul everything that he needs to start on a good foundation. But we'll see in time that the, the relationship with God is lacking and he's unable to sustain what is a good beginning. Verse 25, let's finish tonight. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Uh, God will bring helpers. This is another element in ministry. God will call men's hearts together. We see that there were men whose hearts God had touched came alongside Saul. And this is the way God works. He, he, he may call an individual, but he will typically call others to kind of come alongside. Some to lead, some to help. Sometimes, you know, he'll put a team together. And it's not something that man can do. You can't just recruit friends. You can't just, you know, decide who, who you want to serve with. God has to put something in the heart. And that has to be the bond, is what God has put in your spirit together. Now we see that some rebelled and some will always rebel. There will always be those who will say, as these did, how can this man save us? It's, uh, it's typical. Some, they look and they see only the man and they fa- fail to see the Lord who has called the man. And so there's some, they do, he's just a man, so he's tall, so he's handsome, who cares? He can't help us, and they, but they don't recognize that the Lord's calling is upon him. But Saul, give him credit, he holds his peace. He doesn't, he doesn't try to change their hearts. He's not threatened. He's secure at this point in his calling. And then we also notice that Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. So we don't know the details of what Samuel told them, but apparently the Lord had given Samuel instructions to kind of describe to Saul and to the people, look, this is how the king is to function in your midst. And I want to close with this rules for the kingdom that we have received also from our king, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. We have good rules for the, for the kingdom from our king. Samuel gave instructions to, for, the, for them to how to manage the kingdom and how the king should, put, should behave. And Jesus has also given clear instructions for those that would lead in his kingdom. They are to be servants because Jesus himself did not come to be served. This is a, this is a whole different kind of royalty, isn't it? Most royalty, they're all about being served. But Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve came to give his life a ransom for many, and he has become the example for those that would serve in his kingdom. They would also be servants. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, this passage of Scripture where Saul is given a great beginning for ministry. Lots of good principles there for us, God. Lots of insights on how you work, how you call a man, how you commission us to, to new tasks, and, and how you, you strengthen us, Lord, for the journey by confirming things. And Lord, I pray, I pray that our hearts tonight would be encouraged. There may be some here tonight, Lord, that you're calling very specifically, and, and they know in their heart, you, you have been speaking things into their heart. May this be an encouragement, Lord, to continue to nurture that in prayer and to seek that and to, to look for those confirming signs, to not get ahead of you, but also to not lag behind you, but that to be in perfect step with what you desire. And Lord, there are also some here whose hearts have probably lost that passion. It says that Saul's heart was changed. And Lord, when, when you task an individual for service, you do a work in the heart. You give them something of your burden, your passion, your care, your concern. They take that on, and then they are empowered by your Spirit to work in that task. But Lord, if we don't nurture that in prayer, if we don't abide in the vine, if we don't stay connected to you in relationship, even those things that were once such strong passions can grow cold and we can lose even our first love. And Lord, for our hearts tonight, there may be some that need to be just refreshed in their hearts and come back to those things that you've called them to make priority. And Lord, you've called all of us that would serve you to serve in the footsteps and example that you have set by being a servant one to another. As we're heads are bowed and we finish tonight, I, I want to give an opportunity if you're here and you need to respond to the Lord. It may be that you're here and you do not have a relationship with the Lord. You've never come to faith in Christ and, what, and never accepted what He has done for you at the cross and allowed that sacrifice to cleanse you of your sin as you put your faith and trust in Him. I'd love to pray for you if you need to receive Christ tonight. There may be others here tonight. You need to come back to your first love. You've grown cold in your, your walk with the Lord. You've lost your, 
your first love. And you just need to come back and recommit, rededicate your life to him. I'd like to pray for you too. If you're here tonight, you want to receive Christ for the very first time, or you want to rededicate your life to him, I would ask you just to raise your hand where you're seated, and I'll pray for you. Anybody here tonight? You need the Lord? You need to come back to the Lord. Over my far right there, I see a hand. Anyone else tonight? The Lord speaking to you? You want to come to the Lord or you want to rededicate your life to Him? Come back to your first love. Just before I pray, anyone else? They're in the center. Okay, back. Another couple hands over here. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm going to pray. And so, Lord, for these hearts that have responded to you tonight, I ask that you would just meet them with your love and your mercy. That they would come to you honestly tonight and say, Lord, I I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. I receive your, your death and resurrection as the payment for my sin. Lord, for those that are maybe rededicating, Lord, that you would just restore a passion in their heart and you would remind them, look, I love you. I have something for you. Keep your heart towards it. Allow me to put that love and passion back in your heart as you draw near to me. Lord, we welcome that tonight. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.